Hello listeners, this is Jim the Keys bartender. You may be hearing a bit of far off Polish conversation. That's the wife talking to her family in Spain, Poland, and Tavernier. But that's the way it is around the Haran household on the weekends. Actually, it's Sunday. And uh, arbitrarily, I'm going to say arbitrarily, it's my birthday coming up on Wednesday. And I have transitioned over the years how I think about that. It just Today, I just think about it's just another way to put... Uh, a description on on me how how old I am and that's it I don't see it as an achievement I don't see it as particularly a day of notice uh, not that I, I have a problem with people celebrating their birthday it's just not one of those things I don't know why like for myself I don't I don't feel the need I used to feel as if you know, being acknowledged, having my birthday acknowledged was important. And then I thought about why do I care if my someone acknowledges the anniversary of my birth, which a birthday is, right? There's only one birthday. And for the life of me, as I think about it, I just don't see any real, for myself, for the way I'm built. And I'm not referring to you guys because you know what? Sometimes that's the uh, thing that gets you going. You're always thinking and saying, well, listen, I'm looking forward to my birthday, blah, blah, blah. That is perfectly fine. I'm just saying, don't be surprised when people say, yep, they don't really recognize their birthday. They don't, they don't look for things for their birthday. Um, I don't have a problem with how, saying how old I'll be. I'll be 59 years old. And that's fine. So I'm not depressed on my birthday. I don't look at it as a sign of an accomplishment or measure the accomplishments that I've reached at that age. Recently, I've, I've been doing more of a reflection on my life. And right now, a lot of times people think about the things they didn't do and the, accomplishment, and the accomplishments. Gosh, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not drinking, but... Like I said, there's some words hard to say. The compliment, I, I don't think about the things I didn't accomplish and the things I did accomplish. That's what usually people view as the, uh, the benchmarks. You know, where they are in life. And I think where I could have been, where I could have been, and I don't mean location or geography, I meant how I could have felt or what state I would have been in. You know, what would have been my condition or how I would have felt if life had taken a different course, let's say about 15 and a half years ago, if I hadn't gotten up and moved. And like I said, I don't necessarily believe that location changes are in and of themselves good or bad. It's what you do once you make a change. And I've always firmly believed that when you go to a place where most people don't know you and they have no expectations of you, 
that when you do make a change, there's no preconceived notion of who you were, the activities you did, the kind of behaviors you're used to. So when I came down here to Key Largo, there was one person I knew, my uh, closest friend at the time, who I came down to stay with for a couple months. He knew my he he knew the history of my previous behaviors. He knew I was a heavy drinker. He knew all those things. But everyone else I met, they had no expectations other than what I presented myself as. And that's all really you can do when you meet somebody. Some people can make <clears throat> they can speculate on your behavior, on the things you do. <clears throat> they can accept what you tell them about yourself. And then it's just a matter of a waiting game. Let's see what happens. Let's see how this guy let's see how this guy behaves or performs. And that's probably the best thing about a location change, not having anybody know you. And uh, I'm going to tie that into birthdays, at least for me. And when a birthday comes around, I just think, wow, I wonder if 59-year-old Jim, who had stayed in Philadelphia, who didn't stop drinking, who the people around him and his all his acquaintances and friends, and there were very few family members there. What would have been their expectation of a 59-year-old Jim? What would he have looked at? Before I had left Philadelphia, I had get, gotten recommitted to my physical well-being, at least like working out. I didn't really watch what I was eating, watch what I was drinking. I was still relatively young in my mid mid 40s and I could present a good physical presentation but I think the the way I imbibed in alcohol that would have been a different gym you know 15 years later and would I had the compunction to do something different, take an extra step without the people around me. I had kind of accumulated shame over the years by my behaviors, by drinking so much. And, and then the things I did when I was drinking, I wasn't too proud of. I wasn't very proud of. And it was a kind of a, a maelstrom a circular, I'm making a circular motion, like just a constant, like orbit. I was orbiting myself. Myself was a core, and I was doing all these things outside myself that really, without the influence of my chosen addiction, my chosen addiction, that's not the right way to say it, would it they, my, without my addiction, I wouldn't have behaved that way. Because if you behave a way, and then uh, this is my belief once again, you behave a way that is against yourself, which is the de definition of sin, where you go against yourself, and then you feel embarrassed and ashamed. 
It's either you have a wrong view of the thing you're doing or the thing you're doing isn't correct. There's only several possibilities of that. Like, you could be doing something if you're brought up in a restrictive society that, let's say, on the most extreme restrictive societies where you had to have really uh, disciplined interaction between men and women, someone who's more libertine with their sexuality is more, you know, more free, free love, they could be, you know, you, you'd be acting, you'd be behaving as if, you know, I'm not acting properly. Where if you just accept it and say people have these kind of relationships with people, then it's no big deal. And then you can go through the different types of human sexuality, gay, transgendered, and all those things. You, you as a listener may not agree that that exists, but you know what? I, it's just the way it is. The way the way the world, the way I see it. So, you can have behaviors that are restricted because the way society views them, or behaviors that are just not really healthy for you, destructive behaviors, or disrespectful behaviors, things that you you destruct you know do for yourself, like not looking for staying at a, in a relationship that isn't working for you like you're not thriving together or staying at a job that maybe doesn't challenge you or help you grow or or you you don't feel value being there but you stay there because you used to like you would in a relationship and your behavior stay the same keep on drinking that's what I was doing in my former residence where I lived the the uh, when I made my geographic change to come down there, it was a separation. It was a, a inside my marriage, my wife requested a separation. And I, after, I have to say it wasn't a deep, long, deep reflection. I decided it was probably best for both of us. We had gone through four separate uh, wedding counselors marriage counselors, let's say, and things hadn't changed. And the work what the work I was doing wasn't rewarding. And certainly my drinking wasn't rewarding in the end. And there was nothing I could sit back and look as an accomplishment at that time in my life. And just being able to move to a new place was an accomplishment. It was changing. It was saying like, Jim, you don't have to be there. You can go and do something, seek a little happiness. And, it, and at that time when I moved down here to the Keys, some of that happiness had to do with me thinking that, you know what, I'll, I'll just be able to, uh, I mean, it was the mecca for drinking for me, the way I visualized it. Tiki bars, drinks outside, having a good time, laughing. Being in a place where being a heavy reg- recreational drinker, which I thought I was at the time, not a problem drinker was a good place to be and then after a few short months of moving down here not knowing anybody but my friend getting to know other people and still doing the things that I did 
in my former residence, things started appearing the same again. Yeah, I was I was doing the same thing. I was getting the same results. And uh, fortunately, at the time when it came down, here I had uh, a couple, had six months left of my health care. I had decided to seek some help from a psychologist. And that uh, receptionist, when I had called in to make an appointment, couldn't make an appointment. You heard the story over ad nauseum that the receptionist told me I couldn't see. It would be about three weeks before I could see the psychologist or two weeks. And I said, what am I going to do till then? And the receptionist said, well, do, what's your main problem? And I, she goes, do you have a problem drinking? And then she directed me to a group that has, to this day, the one you find in front of the phone book, a 12-step program that helped me at least... A lot of people like to use the term change my life. But if I phrased it properly, it this group in the front of the phone book, which you're not supposed to talk about this stuff, but uh, helps... It, AA, I'm calling it tonight, helped me reframe my life and reframe my objectives and the way I can live my life. And I, I finally knew at that point, point that the one behavior I did that was a precursor to almost all the shame, disasters, relationship problems. And now the common, one of the major common elements in my life as I left... Uh, went into young adulthood was alcohol. Was alcohol, and once I took that out of the consumption part, that that allowed me a respite, a respite, a pause, uh, taking a pause and reflect on things, and reflect on the way I. To this day, I have. I'm not even close. I am. I. I still consider myself. I don't, I'm halfway through my journey of self-discovery. But it has given me the ability to think about things that I really didn't consider before. I just would think this is the way it is or not think about things at all. Just finding yourselves in situations instead of creating situations. Creating situations where you can get in a relationship. Creating situations where you can get healthy mentally and physically. Creating situations where you're taking, you know, where you can create um, like you could try things in the mix. Once I took the alcohol, I would try like eating a lot of broccoli, a lot of spinach, taking some whey protein, working out this way, doing a lot of cardio, doing a lot of weightlifting, doing a lot of meditation, doing a lot of reading and psychology, exploring possibilities for myself. What can I do? And you know what? I use my employment, my occupation, which is a bartender, as a springboard. It was a job where I could talk to people, find out the things they were doing, think about the things maybe I'd like to do. And in these past 15 years, I've been allowed to do a lot of new things. That, it, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't try a million things. 
but I tried a lot of new things. As you created several small businesses that some of them still exist today. Um, you know, I started, the, uh, I think it was about six years. I always think about once I got sober here, I thought, well, what would I like to do? I was thinking about a capital interest. Like I was saying at one point, I'm thinking, I want to open a steak shop on the left bank of Paris. Because American food, that's what they need. Real American food in Paris. Not McDonald's, not Wendy's, not KFC. An American-style bar. You know? That's what I thought in my head. I said, just think about it. And you serve Philadelphia food in, in Paris. Now, and not make it flashy. Just make it what it was. And I thought that was brilliant. But once I got sober I the days of me opening a bar opening a bar because I just realized what I really liked about the job I had and not being in depth becoming a teacher or an attorney or things like that is at the end of the day things happen at work sometimes you carry it with you but at the end of the day when I'm bartending I once I walk out the door I'm done there's nothing I need to remember Because I leave and do it. And I can go and start a clean slate with something else. One of my other projects. And one of my other projects, I remember that I always thought, I said, boy, it's so hard to get a hold of things down here. And it's so hard to get a hold of services or reliable services. And I thought, a delivery service. A delivery service. And this was... The internet existed, so it was about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I thought, well, 10 years ago, I thought, wow, a delivery service that would deliver all sorts of things. A B2B service, meaning business to business, where you, you know, business supplies go to the mainland, do things, and I thought a shopping service for people that wanted, let's say, Whole Foods started getting really big. When I say really big, people were, it was popularized. And people wanted to go there, but they didn't want to necessarily go there. And the people that live down here, there's a, a high percentage of people in the, let's say, higher income levels. That would, I thought, would take advantage of a service like that. And, you know, it was interesting. You have your preconceived notions of things as you get older and you think, I know plenty. I have experience. I'll be able to use that experience to create this thing. And while I'm doing the delivery service, I started thinking of other things. I said, well, this isn't really working out. Well, maybe I'll, I'll do the, um, well, you know what? People saw the delivery service and said, would you drive someone to the airport? And then I transitioned to make part of it um, airport runs. And I looked into insurance for livery services. That's what, um, you know, taxi and uh, taxi services they call. They call livery service when you drive people around. You have to get special insurance for that. So I learned about that. And then I realized, boy, it's really hard to monetize that with like two people. If you don't have high volume, then you're making single runs and that doesn't monetize the ride as highly as I wanted to. I won't get into minutia of that, but that didn't work out, and I transitioned to 
renting baby equipment to, um, to vacationers. Baby equipment, cribs, pack and place, things like that. And you say, Jim, don't people bring that? Yeah, when they drive down, they might. But flying down, it's really hard to pack those things and pay for those things and carry lug those things. So what I did is say, cribs, the heavy equipment, well, not, not heavy, but I would rent out at a decent profit. You know what the interesting thing about that, I learned easily that the internet always seems to, if you have a solution, and there were, there were businesses that exist in other places in the country. There were places that once it gets popularized and someone makes it into a larger entity, meaning someone came and got the idea of baby equipment rental and they said, I can franchise it, this and that, the price points came down. So then people were able to do it. I was renting, gosh, 10 years ago. I was renting, uh, or let's say nine years ago. I was renting cribs for a week for about 80% of the cost of the crib. Yeah, 80% of the cost of the crib. And that would be delivery, setup, and then pickup. And there were other things people wanted. They wanted pack and plays and Sometimes car seats if someone was visiting so they could pick up the baby at the airport and they don't have to bring the car seat. And it was very lucrative. But when there were new customers coming into the market, new co competition coming into the market, the price went down 50%. And I knew then it was easy to leave. I said, it was easy to leave. I said, this is going to be a race to the bottom. And I learned, it was something else I learned. And I wouldn't have learned that. I wouldn't have been aware of that. I wouldn't even have created been at that point up in Philadelphia, obviously, of creating a company and then realizing I have to get out. And some people may say, hey, that's a failure. You didn't follow through. You could have been the one to franchise. Well, I'm, that wasn't my forte. I realized that. And I don't kick myself for that. Also, when I was doing that, when I started downsizing the I got out of the baby equipment rental. I had also gotten my notary uh, certification, Florida notary uh, certification. And I started doing notary services and, and legal uh, courier service because I figure that's low cost. I don't have to invest in capital equipment against, except the printer, scanner, um, and some, some advertising. And I started you know, down here. We can also be wedding officiants when you're notary. So I got into that too, which I do to this day. I do it today and I enjoy it. It's interesting. And um, I, I, I say the mix isn't as much as I thought it would be. But while I was doing that, the final thing was podcasting. This thing I'm doing right now. And I still am, to this day, remember, uh, I came up just like the names for my company was Keys, uh, Delivery for the Keys, Keys uh, Equipment Rental, Keys Baby Rentals. We don't rent babies. That was the byline of it. And then the Keys Notary. I said, well, why not the Keys Bartender? Keys Bartender Podcast. And I'd say it'd be kind of like a bartending podcast that would be kind of a variety show. I envision it as something like something funny, something more rated. 
I was off this. I was off the sobriety wagon and drinking for the beginning of that. I started drinking a year ago before because I started taking lightly my ability to, uh, that my diminished ability to be able to control my drinking. I thought, oh, I can do it because I had been sober for seven years. As it turned out, it lasted five years out there and then went back to being sober. So I started a podcast and I was flexible with that. I brought in a host and originally I couldn't do the sound. I didn't know how to propagate the meeting, know how to put it out there. And originally I would have like two or three listeners, but I just powered through in here. And there's been certain transition, transition in um, substance, format, and things like that. And we arrived where we are today with that. And then I also have... Excuse me, woman. I also have that other podcast, the Con Chatter podcast, which I only have three episodes right now, but then I expect that to come along. And I thought this this thing I do is what I do for myself, and I do for you. And I don't push for sponsorship or anything yet. I do put a little commercial in in there, which the service that I use gives me the ability to do that. And if I get enough listeners, I'll make some money back and I may defray some of the cost of that. But I'm still doing it. It's over five, it's almost five and a half years later. And those things, when my birthday rolls around, I think, I think, wow, how long have I stepped, uh, continued to do things that weren't necessarily base that when I say base meaning basic drives my basic drives for humans like sex um, money fame I get none of that from the things I do but what I do get is satisfaction and I committed to it even though in the beginning I thought this is what I'm going to try to make my money at and I have to this day I have not, and I'm not complaining about it. It's something I feel proud about. I know. I say, Jim, you're proud about not being successful, not having a large listenership, not having sponsorship. And I go, yes, because I stuck to it. And that was counter to the way I was 15 years ago. I could try things. I'd have a friend of mine in... Gosh, in Philadelphia, he says, I had moments of brilliance. Moments of brilliance. Nothing sustained. And I think a lot of people are like that. There's no, there's no problem. There's, there's a need for people like that, having moments of brilliance. As long as people realize they have moments of brilliance, sometimes you can harvest those ideas. But I wanted to do something sustained. I wanted to be committed. I wanted to be in committed relationship, which I am with my wife. I have a family. I created a, a life and associations that I have here in the Keys that I did have associations in Philadelphia, but they weren't as deep or uh, among the friends it was, but I met like business wise, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. 
I wasn't doing it professionally. I wasn't being, I was being a good, I could be a good companion to people, but I necessarily couldn't be a good friend. And a lot of times I couldn't give her any value in, in wisdom or advice or aid sometimes. I could show up and do some work for someone, you know, a friend in need. But I wasn't necessarily good at providing solace, advice, consolation. And that's the benchmarks I look at now for myself, the accomplishments. And it's not the things that live on after I'm not here. It's the things that live while I am here. If it chooses, if it does live on, who knows? If, if years from now that someone says, hey, there's this guy down in the Keys and he started a podcast in 2017 and it started, to, it was more of a comedy variety thing and now it's turned into like more of a personal journal. Uh, he, he probably was insane. And the interesting thing, the only interesting thing about it is the transition. I don't necessarily believe that, but you can view it almost any way. You can view it almost any way. I can see how much accomplishment right now I have. I'm using this uh, publishing app for the podcast. And they have 1,500 hours of storage, right, on the plan I have. And I have used 1,045 hours. 1,045 hours. That's 21 weeks, or 21 weeks, 25 weeks uh, work weeks, 25 work weeks straight, 1,000 hours, or how many days? No, what? 25, no, no, that's 50, that's 50, 50 would be 20, about 40, let's do the math there, about 45, 45, almost a year of work weeks in podcast hours, wow, it's kind of amazing if you think about it. Um, I may be wrong with that too. It's not. It's not. It is. It's 25 work weeks. 25, half a year work weeks. Boy, did you see that whole thing and the, that whole thinking process? And it would be about 45 days straight. 45 days, if someone was going to listen to all the audio, and all the audio isn't published, but all the audio would take over a month. Would it be worth it? I don't know. You could probably build, you could probably take all this stuff, and if I was correct and um, open with you, you could probably build a good facsimile of who I was in the future. If you trust what I'm saying. If you trust what I'm saying. And I hope you can. So to wrap things up. Uh, I don't have a problem with people sending me birthday wishes. I don't have a problem with birthday cakes or things like that. But is this something I look forward to? Not necessarily. I need to do, when I wake up in the morning, I have to feel inspired to do something that benefits me and some 
and things that benefit me is usually something I can provide benefit for other people. That's the one. That's the most fulfilling one. There's a lot of selfish things I do that in the end, I don't really feel fulfilled. They're short-lived. But the best things I have done are things I've done for other people. And I felt it. It's a selfish... If you, if you took it on its whole, it's a selfish drive of me. My drive to feel as if I'm providing value to someone. Last week, now it's not a humble brag. There was a, and I said, I may have said that there's a local church called Burton Memorial. It's a Methodist church and they had helped out. They came in. I did mention this. I have to actually I do have to follow up with those people a lot of times now I, all I think is that I have to when whenever I'm presented with it, the opportunity to do the right thing I have to do I have to just go ahead and do it in this case this Burt Memorial Church helped us out when we needed to have a we had a memorial service for my wife's ex-husband who passed away Sky's father Sky's biological father, my, my daughter's father. <clears throat> and when he passed away, they provided the venue and they had to minister and had lovely, <clears throat> lovely memorial service. And I knew, oh man, these people really do walk the walk, do the talk the talk. They have a, they have a kitchen where they feed the homeless or people who are food insecure. They, have a, they actually have a pantry where they provide food to people. And I thought, wow, I really do admire these folks. And whenever I have the opportunity to give back, I have to give back. And they came by and they were asking for volunteers and blah, blah, blah. And I told them I could volunteer and that. And I gave them all the money in my pocket, which wasn't a lot, but I gave all the money I had there. And I told them how much I admire the work they do. And that thing. It's not giving the money. It's not feeling as if they're doing. It's just knowing I should do it and I went ahead and did it. That's the difference right now. It's like when you see someone sitting on the bench when here, I'm in Key Largo and I see someone sitting on the bench and have uh, an older person let's say and they look like they're waiting for a ride. And I can say, hey listen, and it doesn't, it happens infrequently. I see someone and say, hey, listen, do you need a ride someplace? Obviously, you have the groceries. And, and you, one of these days, they might say, hey, yeah, I live in Homestead, which is 30 miles away. And I could, well, 28 miles away, and I could, I could get one of those. But generally, it's someone nearby and say, hey, listen, you need a ride. That's something to do. Giving money to someone who needs it, someone comes in, they're hungry. To the restaurant I'm working, paying for the food. And not feeling that feeling you feel afterwards when you don't help out and you say, I really should have helped that person. I should have really helped that person or I should have helped that. Or that that dog that was walking down the side of the road looked like it was stray. I better stop before it goes in the highway. It gets run over. Yeah, it's action. I guess... The biggest thing I can say I'm proud of myself at this age is I became more of a person of action. Acting on the things that are important to me and the way I should do it. And that's the only way 
I hope I hope that continues. I hope I can do it. And uh, the way uh, I think most of, let's say, I want to say the great religious leaders or meditative leaders or anything like that, people that are the greatest charitable historical figures, they always suggest when you give things, you should give it wholeheartedly and with both hands and without any uh, seeking of notoriety. And I know it's hard to say. I just said it right here. I'm saying on there. Say, Jim, aren't you seeking notoriety by saying it? No. I'm talking about how much it gives me pleasure. And I have to say that because otherwise I don't give demonstrable examples of it. Then you'll just be saying, what is he talking about? You're still probably saying, what, he's talk- what is he talking about? But what I'm saying is, the, the, the real sincere reason why I like to do it is because it does so much for me. It does so much for me. Um, it, it would be one that would be one of the most wonderful things of having an enormous amount of resources. Now, and people may not agree with, but having a, a MacArthur Foundation where they do their genius grants, you know, advancing knowledge—that's great. Or the Gates Foundation, you think what you want of the people, they are providing good. The big foundations that give away. Um, Warren Buffett, he wants to give away almost, I'd say, uh, so much of his fortune. And there's people around the world. I'm just mentioning people I know anecdotally. And there's people that have nothing. And it may be you know, when you give up your time and your resources, when you have nothing, that is just a huge philanthropy as someone who's worth $100 billion and they give a third of their money to that. You know, the, you still, you're still left with billions, so you're still comfortable. There's a lot of people that give beyond their comfort. And... Uh, I can't responsibly do that right now because I have a family, but if I had the opportunity, if I, would, I hope if I was alone and there was a different thing, I would be doing that and just subsisting on my own what I needed in order to do those things. And there's people, and you see people day to day doing that, and they're the people I most admire. And there's the people I emulate. I do enjoy that. And that's the thing on my birthday. Next year, I'd like to say, well, what did I do this year? Has I, have I helped anybody? Have I been a good person? And that, that is the birthday message for me this uh, year. I'll probably do another show before then, and I won't talk about birthday then. I wanted to talk about, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing, I was uh, different format. I may be adding video. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I'm adding video. And um, with the video, I'm going to probably do something different because there's another platform that wants to wants me to set up some kind of an educational or value-driven podcast with wellness and well-being. So we'll try that and see how that works out. I'd like to thank you for staying a little extra long this week and I hope you have 
a wonderful day. And make sure you take care of yourself. Because everything I said here, these are the things that worked for me. Right? And I tried different things. And that's the way it is. As long as it's not detrimental to your health or your well-being and stuff like that, you can try different things. Make sure you're seeking help. Make sure you always have a net, a safety net, mentally for yourself and your well-being. Have a support group. And when I say support group, it could be your family, it could be your friends, it could be your workplace. But if you have those things and you try and you never give up, you have a really good chance of being successful at the things you want to accomplish. Thank you very much and have a great day. Bye. 